everyone, and welcome back to History Written by the Losers. I'm Annika. And I'm Sudha. And today we're going to be talking about immigration, specifically immigration in the late 18 and early 1900s. So America has always been called a melting pot. And, you know, I think that refers to the fact that so many people from so many different backgrounds call America home. Yeah. And in school, they're always teaching us about the American dream and how America is the land where a poor immigrant can make their way and become entrepreneurs and anything they want. That whole American dream. Right. Work hard and you will see success in this country. And even on the Statue of Liberty, it says, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. That's right. And, you know, Lady Liberty stands in New York Harbor as an icon for immigrants coming to the country. And I remember how I felt when I first saw her in New York Harbor. We have this notion that America has always been a welcoming place to immigrants. How true is that really? And... How much do we actually know about the way our country has treated immigrants in the past and even today? So let's begin with the Irish immigrants. When we think about an immigrant, right, I think that most of us, we picture somebody in our minds when we say immigrant. In this century, mm -hmm. it has mainly been people of color. Right. So it's interesting to see what the story is when Europeans first began to migrate to America. Yeah, and a case in point is the Irish immigrants who came right after the Great Potato Famine in Ireland, starting about 1845. And this is something that I had briefly learned, but it was never taught to me in my curriculum so far. And so from the Great Potato Famine, a lot of Irish immigrants came to America seeking better economic opportunities and to escape poverty. And there was a lot of hate and discrimination against them for a right. while. Anti-Roman Catholic, anti-Irish sentiments were already in America by the time the first immigrants from Ireland landed on our shores. Yeah, a political party was actually formed called the Know Nothings. And they were named because they claimed to know nothing about politics when they were asked. But Know Nothings, along with nativists, they worked hard to keep Protestants in power, and they, some of them even used violence against the Irish immigrants who came. They believed that native-born Americans were superior to the newly arrived immigrant groups. So the Irish and German immigrants who came to America around that time tended to be poorer and tended to be Roman Catholic. And so the Know Nothings Party took that as traits of cultural and economic backwardness. And they used that against them when they were running for office or trying to gain power or any position of leadership, they would use this against them. Thankfully, some politicians, including Abraham Lincoln, were against the know-nothings. Lincoln actually said, As a nation, we began by declaring that all men are created equal. We now practically read it, all men are created equal except blacks. When the know-nothings get control, it will read, all men are created equal, except blacks and foreigners and Catholics. So eventually, as the debate on slavery and the Civil War started to gain more prevalence, Irish immigrants were able to integrate back into American society and they were starting to be more accepted. But with that acceptance, many of them felt like they had to stay up on that social ladder and they had just climbed up from the bottom rung. So they would taunt other new immigrant groups. And one such immigrant group were the Chinese. 
Dennis Kearney, who was a County Cork native and a Working Men's Party leader, was known for closing every single one of his speeches with his signature, Whatever happens, the Chinese must go. And although we say that the Irish integrated uh, into American society, I know that even when one of the most charismatic presidents of our country, who was Roman Catholic, Kennedy, was running for president, people thought he would have an uphill battle because of his faith and his background. So these things never did completely die down. So the wave of Chinese immigrants that came to the United States around 1850 was actually, many of them were fleeing China. And they were escaping natural disasters and economic depression that was currently facing the Chinese people. In China, there was a period called the Daoguang Depression. There were many natural disasters, but more than that, there were two extremely traumatic events, which were the Opium Wars and the Taiping Rebellion. So the Opium Wars, if you are unfamiliar with it, was when the British introduced opium to the Chinese people and the Chinese government started taking notice of the amount of addiction and it started becoming so cripplingly high and it was causing such serious social and economic disruption that they wanted to cut off the supply. But of course Britain didn't want to lose that market and later France also got involved. So there was this huge war, 20,000 chests of opium or more were destroyed and the Opium Wars actually ended with a treaty that really damaged the Chinese economy because they had to pay a lot of money to Britain and they had to allow the British government many advantages like they had to give away Hong Kong. That's right, it was the Treaty of Nanjing and that is how the British occupancy of Hong Kong began. And partially because of the Opium Wars, because the economy was suffering so much, was the Taiping Rebellion, which almost worsened that problem. It was the deadliest civil war in human history. And it was a critical uh, point in Chinese history. So, so America seemed like a safe refuge for many, many, many Chinese people at that time. So many Chinese immigrants fleeing China left with the promise of the gold rush in America, the safe haven, but also this opportunity to find gold. Yes, and so we see that a lot of those people, their descendants to this day are in California because of the gold rush. But just like all good things, the gold rush did end, and Chinese Americans were then starting to be used as cheap labor because they had just fleed and they didn't have any other opportunities available for them. That's right. They found employment as farmhands and domestic help, laundry workers, and most famously that most of us know is that they helped build the railroad. So because of this, the American people started to feel like they were losing out on job opportunities because of this surge of immigrants that had just come from China. So a lot of them uh, started adopting xenophobic practices and tactics because they were afraid of losing their job opportunities and their jobs. So and it this was is more where, protectionism, right? Yes. yes. And this is where a lot of the unions actually started in California. Which is why Dennis Kearney, who was a union leader, kept saying that whatever else, first the Chinese workers must go. 
And some of these Americans actually used violence and coercion in order to try to like eliminate that competition. So all of this unrest and this economic turmoil and the job uh, protectionism then led to the passage of the 1882 Chinese Exclusion Act. This act excluded Chinese laborers from entering the country and barred all immigrants of Chinese descent from obtaining citizenship. This was actually the first legislation of its kind in American history. It was the first law that had ever been passed that specifically stopped an ethnic or racial group from entering the U.S. So this 1882 Chinese Exclusion Act was the first step in a long line of immigration acts that prevented immigrants from entering the U.S. And later on, even in Plessy versus Ferguson, which was a key Supreme Court case, Justice Harlan contrasts Chinese people with black people by proclaiming that the Chinese race is a race so different from our own that we do not permit those belonging to it to become citizens of the United States. So this sentiment continued on for years and is still in some people today, which is sad. So that, in short, was how the Chinese Immigration Act came into being. But... There was another aspect of immigration which was based on religion. So uh, there was at the uh, end of the 1820s onwards, a lot of Jewish immigrants were also arriving on our shores. In the early 19th century, there were a lot of Central European Jewish immigrants, but between 1881 and 1924, a lot of Eastern European Jewish immigrants started coming to escape persecution and try to find some economic opportunities that they were lacking in their countries. When they arrived here, they began working in the garment industry or they became shopkeepers and mostly they were doing menial uh, blue-collar jobs. Yeah, and even if they were given a position like uh, law or mm -hmm. medicine, they were given tasks that were deemed unvaluable. And this actually ended up benefiting a lot of Jewish lawyers later on in the 1970s when hostile takeovers became popular, which were considered unsavory jobs previously and they were poised for success. So a lot of Jewish lawyers actually had experience in that kind of law, and when this became more and more popular, they gained more and more work because of this experience. Yes, but at the time, these were considered very unsavory jobs. No one wanted it, and that is why the Jewish immigrants were given it. And along with that, there was a lot of propaganda against the Jews and Eastern Europeans. A lot of Americans claimed that Northern Europeans and the Nordics were more intelligent than the other types of Europeans. And that type of propaganda has continued on for not just different types of Europeans, but against other immigrants as well, against black people. That same type of propaganda has been used so many times in order to discount a race. Right. So somehow desperately to prove that there is something based in science that separates us or makes us different, when in reality, nothing of that sort exists. Interestingly, in 1917, they began saying that you need to pass a literacy test in order to become an immigrant. And the idea behind that was to stop Jews from immigrating because they felt like Jews would not pass a literacy test. Yes, and that is where the first Immigration Act began. And this process continued on for many years. 
At this time, there were still the Chinese workers that were taking up many of the jobs, especially in the West. And now there was also a huge surge of Jewish people. And those were the two groups that most Americans were afraid that were taking jobs. So in 1917, an act was passed. And the major concern was of the Eastern European Jews. So that literacy test prevented a lot of them because if you live in a different country where you speak a different language, I think it's incredibly hard to pass a literacy test for a language you don't know. And this act actually passed over the veto of President Wilson. And in this act, there was, along with the literacy test, there was also another more subtle act slipped in there as well, and it was called the Asiatic Barred Zone. And Asiatic was a term that they coined, which was very derogatory, but it was used towards any people of Asian descent. Right, and another word that was used to describe people from this part of the world was Orientals, which is also a very derogatory term. The Asiatic Barred Zone, interestingly, did not include the Philippines or Japan. That is because of America's interests in those regions. So that Asiatic Barred Zone basically blocked Chinese and Indian immigrants mainly from entering the U.S. because they were coming at this time and the United States wanted to protect the jobs of Americans. So although the literacy test in 1917 was the main focus, there's also this Asiatic Barred Zone that was slipped under the radar. Then, in 1921, the Immigration Act of 1917 was revised because more than 800,000 immigrants had been admitted to the United States in that time, and people thought that the restrictions of the first original Immigration Act were too loose. Right, so the 1921 Act limited the annual number of immigrants from each country to 3% of that nation's nationals who were present in the United States according to the 1910 U.S. Census. And that's a major, major thing. So basically what they're saying is, if you look at the number of, let's say, Chinese people in America right now, you take 3% of that, only that many people are allowed in. And if you take a look at the date, it's 1921, and American people were very, very, very afraid, especially from Eastern Europe, where these Jews were coming, that Bolsheviks, which was the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia, mm. that these radical revolutionaries were going to come to America and start spreading fear. And it was like an original Red Scare. So this 1921 act, it limited mainly, if you look at the percentages, Chinese immigrants uh, and Eastern European immigrants. So the two prior Immigration Acts finally culminated in the Immigration Act of 1924. Of course, this law was affected by the feelings of the people at the time. World War I ended in 1918, but during the war, people in America had so much nationalistic fervor that they turned their attention to modifications of existing immigration laws. Yes. In this Immigration Act of 1924, Americans used a lot of scientific data, which wasn't very scientific and was, I'm sure, very biased. They administered intelligence tests in the army, and they used those to say that Southern and Eastern European people were not as smart as the Nordic or Northern Europeans were, which was very, very biased. Right, but you must remember that that was the time where eugenics was also very popular in America and people were getting behind this notion that, you know, genetic manipulation was okay. And along with this data that they used, there was this fear of the cheap labor that many immigrants were supplying. So many of the lawmakers making laws at this time in Congress were actually leaders of unions 
So protection of jobs was very much at the forefront of their minds. And their agendas. Right. So this act, the most immediate impact, was that it restricted the number of Eastern Europeans, particularly Jews, immensely. The supply of immigrants from Eastern Europe was almost cut off completely. And this had many long-term effects. If you think about the time we're in, it was 1924. So Jewish people in Eastern Europe and Southern Europe were facing a lot of persecution already. That whole Nazism idea was being birthed at the time, which is why they started fleeing in the first place. But this propaganda was gaining popularity and many Jews were trying to escape. But there was a quota in America of how many Jews and Eastern Europeans could come. And a lot of Jewish people who ended up being involved in the Holocaust actually could have come to America if this law didn't exist. And one of the most famous names that you probably will recognize is Anne Frank. Anne Frank's family could have come to America if not for this immigration law of 1924. Interestingly, Around the time that there was so much focus on what was happening from for immigration from Eastern Europe, it's interesting to me that there were these laws did not apply to people coming in from Mexico. Yes, and that is because during World War One, a lot of Latin Americans and South Americans and especially Mexicans who were coming into the United States were helping in the war industries. And so these immigration acts didn't affect them at the time because Americans needed that labor for the war effort. Immigrants from Latin America represented approximately 30% of total immigrants at that time. So this 1924 act did not just affect Eastern Europeans because the Asiatic Bard Zone that was coined in a previous immigration act was now amended and it also worked hand in hand with the Chinese Exclusion Act in the 1800s to keep Chinese nationals from coming to the United States until 1943 when China became an ally to the United States in World War II. So the national quota system, though, that was started with that initial act in 1924 was modified in 29, but actually remained as part of the act until 1952. When it was repealed. If you think about how many families could have entered the U.S., if you think about how many families could have been saved from the Holocaust, how many families could have been saved from economic depression, religious persecution, all of these things. And if you think about it, why all of these immigration acts were created, why all of these unions were started, why all of this hate speech started, it was because of fear. Fear was the one thing that drove all of these Americans from this fear of immigrants. And in some cases, that fear died down, like with Irish Americans. But in some cases, that fear is still alive in many people today, especially in attitudes towards immigrants right now. That's right. So more recently in the news, we have frozen visas for immigrants to come and work in many, many industries in America, including science, research, technology. And this particular freeze is also fueled by that same fear that has been, unfortunately, our constant companion through the decades and centuries of being a beacon of hope, a new land, a melting pot, which we are. I do want to highlight that even though over the centuries, immigration into America has had a lot of controversial decisions and fear behind it. 
living in America and being an American citizen is still something that is of value because this is one of the few countries in the world that is founded on an idea of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. After all, immigrants are what America was built on, and immigrants, we get, get the, the job, job done! done. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you guys enjoyed. We would like to note that the Lincoln quote was modified for sensitivity purposes. Feel free to let us know any ideas, thoughts, comments, questions, anything you would like to discuss. This has been History Written by the Losers.